0: Y'all, hey welcome to that Bleeping Podcast, a podcast wherein four academics who love television recap, analyze, and love and hate on all things popular culture. Right now, we're working our way through Dragassi The Next Generation, taking them two episodes at a time, and today we're talking about episodes three eighteen and three nineteen, and that is, uh, Rock and Roll High School is three eighteen, and three nineteen is uh, it's raining men, so. Oh, screens. Um, before we start, two things: spoiler alert, there will be full spoilers as we recap each week's episodes, and sailor alert, we will swear, so hide your baby's ears or something. I'm Tiffany Salter. I'm a professor of uh, literature and film in uh, at Bates College, and focus on Asian American and Pacific Islander uh, cultural production sci-fi, cartoons, and other such nerdy things.
1: I'm Jacinta. I'm an assistant professor of English. I study television, film, and pop culture. Um, Teach classes in those areas, as well as writing, literature, digital media, and a bunch of other stuff.
2: I'm Sonic Gabbard. I'm a professor in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies at DePaul University here in Chicago. Uh, I teach everything under the umbrella of women's studies, but my focus tends to be around uh, transnational and global feminist studies, uh, as well as queer studies and LGBTQ plus politics.
3: I'm Brendan Shaw. I'm a professor of English in the Humanities Department at Central State University. I teach a lot of composition, as well as classes in African American literature and gender and sexuality studies.
2: Oh, I have a song for you all. <clears throat> yeah, you're the dust in my eyes, the rock in my shoes, you lie, lie, lie. That's, nice. That's Great. <laughs> wow. All right. right.
3: So, with that introduction, uh, I'm going to recap episode 18 uh, Rock and Roll High School um so the a i guess the a plot and this is about not a battle of the bands but essentially a battle of the bands like a band competition that is posted at the beginning of the episode in degrassi and the winner gets uh time in a recording studio to record a single um and the the boys the grade tens the great tens right The grade 10 boys, uh, Marco, Craig, uh, Jimmy, and Spinner decide their band is going to be the winner. Um, And of course, uh, the other reigning band is some combination of, in this permutation, Ashley as the front front to a band that includes Hazel, Ellie, and Paige. Um, and so pretty quickly it's established in this first scene that there is remains bad blood between Ashley and Craig and this battle of the band is really going to be sort of a referendum on the bad blood. Um, so that happens at the beginning of the episode. Um, we see that there's a couple scenes throughout the episode where the band has written music, but Craig hasn't written lyrics. Um, we get a uh, preview of potential lyrics that Ashley reads in Miss Kwan's class, a very dark poem about a girl who died in the Spanish Civil War, um, which is read and uh, there's no feedback. Um, and after class, Ashley is sort of confused. Uh, the girls uh, are pretty are like literally brutal. I hate to be brutal, one of them says, I think Ali, before giving her critique. Um, but then the boys are especially brutal, especially Craig. Um, and it becomes clear that the argument between Craig and Ashley is not just about the lyrics, it's about what happened between them. Later Craig comes to her and apologizes, but really only apologizes for the lyrics and not about their relationship, which upsets Ashley. Um, and we have a scene the day before the competition where the bands are practicing, and Ashley unveils new lyrics um, of a sort of kiss-off song about clearly about Craig called Mr. Nice, which is sort of about like deflating the nice guy. Um, Craig's band doesn't have any lyrics yet, um, and Craig is really mad about the lyrics and the fact that they're about him. Um, but the girls are sort of like, what did you expect? Um, And then we have a scene of the boys rehearsing where they still don't have lyrics. Spinner and Jimmy unveil a very sexist rap, to use Marco's words, that they think they should do that's literally about, woman, get me a sandwich. Um, Marco takes Craig on a sort of a nature walk where they get in touch with their feelings. And at the 11th hour... I presumably inspired by the nature walk and the therapy of Marco uh, at the Battle of the Bands. Uh, Craig unveils these lyrics that are sort of an apology song. We can talk about how we feel about the apology, but not before Ashley and her band do a really good performance of the song we've heard earlier in matching outfits that have shirts that have Craig's face on them in flames. Um, and the episode ends with the performance by Craig's band wowing the crowd, and they win. And there's a bit of a reconciliation at the end when Ashley comes up to congratulate them for winning and says, you know, that was a good job. So we can talk about all of that. The B-plot is about the relationship between Joey and Caitlin. Um, the Caitlin and Joey are showing off that as adults they can still do, like, acrobatics, essentially. And Caitlin does a cartwheel, and then Joey tries to do a handstand, and he injures himself in a way that looks like it should be really serious, but apparently isn't. Um, But he, like, bends his neck. Anyways, he's on bed rest, and he can't do anything, and so Joey's response is he wants to have um, Angie go stay with his mom, and Caitlin says, oh, I can do it. And so basically, over the course of the episode we see Caitlin try to juggle her super powered job with taking care of angie trying to make breakfast for her dropping her cell phone into a pot of oatmeal um and then the sort of final straw is that angie refuses to listen to her when she tells her to wash her hands for dinner and stomps off and caitlin feels like she's failed and joey sort of basically says like this is what being a parent is. You, they don't always, you know, like you can't always have them like You, you have to set boundaries. She's testing you. You're learning. We're going to be fine. And they cuddle on the sofa. Um, and that's the sort of resolution of that plot um, in the sort of ongoing figuring out how Caitlin fits into their lives. So after the episodes we've been watching, I feel like these episodes are much lighter in a lot of ways. Um, they touch on stuff we've seen throughout the season, but I feel like the tenor was at least... Battle of the Bands meets
0: Battle of the Sexes. Oh, no. Oh! oh, Burn! (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, (laughs) Sunday!
2: Sunday. (laughs)
3: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Bad. Bad.
2: I believe that Ashley's song inspired um, The Killers' Mr. Bright Side and
1: was Mr. Bright <laughs> continues to be such a, a light for people.
2: Obviously. Especially in music. Hello, Aubrey.
1: hmm No. No, because that actually was Drake. Prototype Drake <laughs> rapping.
2: Oh, my God. Right? Ooh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was not yeah. not great.
1: Although they did clarify that you know, they were spinner's lyrics, which made sense because spinner.
2: <laughs> right? I oh mean. Oh my God. So, my first question is why, um, what is it? Sasquatch, Downtown Sasquatch, the name of their band. Why yeah. they don't have a. Uh, do a feature with Chris and have Chris on the decks because obviously that would add something to their band. Now
1: you know Goodwill, Chris ain't trying to be part of no <laughs>
3: downtown cat pod. Yeah, that is... Chris yeah, would doing... to win to get a gig. Right. Right?
2: Chris already has
1: a right. gig. True. Right. Chris, yes. Chris has a cousin who is famous and therefore... Yeah. <laughs> Also, he'd probably be much faster to join Hell Half No Absolutely. than Downtown Sasquatch. <laughs>
0: um, you know that Downtown Sasquatch is totally Spinner's creation. That name.
2: I don't know. I feel like Craig would create something that lame. Because he's, like, got mad dag jokes.
3: I, I did appreciate that, even though Manny isn't in this episode, which was a bummer, Ashley seems to have settled on just animus towards Craig. Like, the previous, like, I hate Manny, too, is kind of gone. And now Mm -hmm. it's just about Craig again, which was the way it was initially, Mm -hmm. and then confusingly wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And Craig remains a tool. I mean, Ashley still is ultimately the better person. Like, she congratulates them, and there's that moment where Craig says she's a prude. Like, this is all that really the whole problem here is that she's a prude, um, which is so random and, like, so late in the game. <laughs> Craig is a also, child. I mean,
1: we've talked about how Craig is in his own world a lot of the time, and I think that was just certainly highlighted here in this episode in various ways, including when he apologized, but only apologized for making fun of her for the lyrics, and she's like, and <laughs> he's like, "What else do I need to apologize for?" I'm like,
2: "Are you are you on this planet, Craig?" Are uh, he's clear with the rest of us? No, he's too busy. He can- He's too busy hanging out in Tower Records looking for the (laughs) (laughs) albums. Okay, but, okay, those those listening
1: booths did take me back.
0: Well, so, like, I mean, especially the part where he says, a little bit later in the episode, where he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, how many times do I have to say it? And I'm like, well, at least once where you actually, like, mean it, which is also what Ashley says. But, like, I mean, we haven't really seen him I don't know. Did we? I don't remember at least him ever actually apologizing to her in a thoughtful and meaningful way.
2: No. No, and I think, no. we never do. We never do.
3: And I, I was annoyed, and I wrote, "Oh, oh God, oh, is this Craig's redemption?" No, I was so pissed and that they, they won. Win, right,
2: and I like
3: because I also just think like, however we might feel about Ashley's lyrics, like, it seemed like the response to Downtown Sasquatch's mm-hmm. song didn't make sense to me, because the other band is yeah, just so, better. <laughs> like, yeah, Ashley's band was so, always better.
1: I mean, I think there's a couple things at play here. Like, obviously, I, <laughs> Ashley and her tragic lyrics have an adventure through the show, but the the ones that she comes up for this song you know that song i think is is pretty solid and not depressing um, but i also think like you know craig is like this this is what season three right so this is approximately like 2004 and craig's like peak pop punk boy emo boy like slide right into that Niche that he that would have been prominent then, and while I don't think they were better, I could definitely see how. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they
2: were like. Oh, sorry. No, they were like Death Cab for Cutie, light versus Avril Levine which in I mean I would also would think yeah Avril I
0: mean yes but also uh that I mean like <laughs> it's not the popularity of the response in the gym the gymnatorium or whatever um it is like I mean it's <laughs> it's uh <laughs> like my understanding is that it's a contest like from like a professional studio that's going to give them air you know like studio time and the girl's song was just much better polished i mean the lyrics like made sense the thing the thing about craig's lyrics is like they're clearly slapdash they actually don't like they're poorly put together it's all just self-flagellation um and i like i think that Ashley was gracious, but like gracious in, in like in congratulating them after, but like gracious to a, a weird degree. Like it, it just felt like I, I would have expected her to rightfully be angry. And I didn't know. I mean, I know that it's supposed to indicate that like it's about accepting Craig's quote unquote apology, which I don't think that that was an apology. Uh, I don't know. I just, like, the whole thing just kind of made me angry.
1: No, all I was going to say is if Craig showed up as a new member of something corporate, I would not be surprised. (laughs) That's all I'll (laughs) say.
3: Go on. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's also the trope of the, like, rom-com romance, right? Where in the 11th hour, our hero or heroine uses her job as a newspaper reporter or her job as a crossword writer whatever bullshit to like somehow say something that is both exciting to the actual viewer in the world of the, sh- the movie or the show and works for what we want but I also think that relies on this idea that we wanted Craig to be redeemed I feel like yeah I just felt like the end tries to redeem him and it's kind of bullshit that that's where it lands. Whether or not it makes sense that they would win the contest, I feel like we're supposed to think that, like, if the devil on his shoulder is the, the sexist rap and the angel on his shoulder is Marco, there's like supposed to be some sort of transformation between the primal scream and the 11th hour performance that isn't there for us. And Craig is such a tool. And such a Mr. Nice Guy. Such a—I mean, that's why I thought the song works so well. Is it such a critique of the like, oh, who me? That is perfectly Craig.
2: Yeah, and like he—he he, he, throughout the throughout this particular episode, they make a point to make us really hate Craig and Ashley. I—the one thing I like about this episode is I feel like Ashley finally gets her comeuppance in terms of like so many great moments of reading Craig, including when he's upset that she's she had her lyrics are calling him out. She's like, what are you? He's like, you better stop it or else. And she's like, what? You're gonna have sex with my great minds. I was like <laughs> I was like, that is so great. And I my respect for Ashley actually went up because I was like, when did you become so savage? And I love you for that. So I uh yeah. all this just to say I agree with you, Brendan. But I, and also the the writers do not do very much don't do very many things to make us feel at all um, comfortable with Craig even at the end because also the songs sucked. like it, it wasn't just the lyrics yeah. the beat sucked. everything sucked. The only reason um, his band might have been maybe out, I don't know, maybe the judges picked them was being because Ashley's band used a drum machine. Yeah, Did anyone yeah, else yeah. notice that? It, like we, and, and, <laughs> like you Oh, and that Hazel hear, is sorry, is either
0: playing keyboard and or doing drums from the keyboard. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. sad boys are marketable. Uh, right. It both with, was both within the world of like entertainment in general and the world of Degrassi. And I mean, at the time, as, as uh, Craig was, I mean, Craig was art like probably the most popular guy on the show oh, in terms really? of like, fan response. Even though he is hot, yeah, yeah, he was
2: the cute factor.
1: He, he, him and his sad boy ways definitely had him, like, at the top of the list. But it necessarily went about it this way, even though we don't buy it now. Like, I think it would have been probably palatable for the audience then, even though, like, I follow Degrassi accounts now, and people talk about how Craig was trash, but also... The- <laughs> so, it is it is one of those things where people will see it in hindsight. But yeah, I would say he was definitely like the most popular guy
0: with the Barf. Fandom. I mean, he everyone gets to see what an asshat he is in this episode, even like because like he shows up to he shows up mm-hmm. to their first practice of the episode and he, like it's clear that he has like foisted uh, an assignment onto everybody to have learned the music and he's being a dick about it, but when people ask him about the lyrics, he's like, it's fine, whatever. Don't worry about it. You focus on your music. Um, so I mean, like, and then it, and then that obviously just continues throughout the episode until he like has a crumpled ass piece of steno paper, uh, you know, with him on stage, which also not cool, and also should be points against them for him not even knowing the song that he is singing in that moment.
2: Yes, and if we can talk about versatility and songwriting, I mean, Ashley can do all kinds of genres. She has demonstrated that throughout the show. She doesn't just write sad lyrics, but she can do different different types of (laughs) songwriting. Craig, on the other hand, is a one note (laughs) pony. One note pony, one note, one trick pony. Anyway, he has one style. (laughs) All those
1: singing ponies.
2: It's a singing singing pony. One One night only. One song. Yes, perfect. Thank you.
3: Hey, baby. Hey, baby.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but can we, I mean, like, also, can we... Um, You know what, though? Uh, go ahead.
1: No, uh, so I was just going to say, the other thing, though, is we've been talking throughout, like, at least this season, I think maybe some of last season, too, that, like, Marco was the one that we wanted Craig to talk to for advice. So he did actually do that in this episode. And, I mean, Marco did prevent the rap god <laughs> and, and uh got got Craig to I guess <laughs> get in touch with his emotions um I god. guess is what was happening here. But he he I mean, you know, he <laughs> he tried.
2: <laughs> An attempt was made. So I watched this with closed caption on, like always, and when they go on their walk to the woods, there's this. Uh, after Marco yells and he tells Craig to yell, the closed caption said "pathetic yell," <laughs> which I
0: think should just be like Craig in the in the uh, the cast listing is just Craig, pathetic yell, like forever. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes. Um, it, oh, but does. can can we go back he to the, uh, the versatility of Ashley's uh, lyrical career and talk about whatever the fuck she read in Ms. Kwan's class? And also, Ms. Kwan's response to it was amazing.
3: She Just is about a girl I, who
0: died in the Spanish Civil War. As haven't, you,
1: haven't you also written a song I mean, about I, that in your free time?
0: I just, I was, even in the recap, I was dying laughing in when I was watching it, but then also just Brendan talking about it, like, in the recap, I was just, I, I was muted because I was laughing so hard. I do love
3: whenever they read their stuff aloud, because Ashley's done this multiple times, <laughs> and Miss Kwan's always just, like, her non-response. <laughs> Which what, is
1: response. She what, what she literally said was great.
0: Uh, <laughs> just great.
2: <wait. laughs> let's, let's. Okay, so for folks that may not remember, I did write down the lyrics. Um, so she, I will. She says, "Black twisted agony. The fires of chaos burn on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Flame on."
1: This is, see, you remember, we already remember when she held Jimmy hostage in her room and serenaded him too with candles. And remember when she broke up with him in that letter yeah. and slowly backed out? Drama. Hashtag blessed. That's what she yes. is.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: oh i wanted her to bring back the flowy like stevie nicks outfits like while she's singing about black no agony no oh my god which French was shirt. like there no were way. just so
0: many good moments in this episode and that was i had to pause and i just this episode made me so happy until the boys won uh just because like it is non-stop like craig burns like left and right and i am so here for it
2: oh my god when they when we start off with ellie being like <laughs> those posers, i was like one very true but two ellie do you want to <laughs> are we are we okay 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 posers. i mean that's
0: writing ashley's coattails a little bit because like how long have you been in the band ellie
1: Exactly. I mean, Terry is busy right now, so they have
2: to get someone else. Oh Oh,
1: shit! shit. (laughs) Busy being unconscious. Okay, is what we they said. Also, why
2: why won't Ashley visit her? Like, I I, she's got hospital phobia, but like, what? I mean, what the fuck, Dude? dude?
1: Again, I just said Ashley lives for the drama. And she's got feelings about it. If there's
2: anyone that would take a friend's personal tragedy and turn it into a song to win Battle of the Bands, it is one Ashley Uh, Kerwin. She's busy
1: with her other trauma, okay? Uh, Spanish Civil War.
0: Well, before we do, but right before we do transition, I do want to say I really appreciated the Carly Simon call out where when Craig is talking to Ash about the lyrics and and Ash is like, Craig thinks the song is about him and Ellie says, so vain. I just, I was like, oh, that was, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: that's true. That was good.
0: A meanwhile,
3: working woman trying to work—can she have it all? I don't know. Maybe she'll <laughs> drop her cell phone into a job. So of oatmeal. It was,
1: Why is, is- Why? it was it was a lot of oatmeal, but also like this is not a situation that would like realistically like be able to happen because Joey might not be able to like literally. Grab Angie right now, but she can still hear him. He is still there in the living room. Like, that, that right. make
2: sense. Oh my God. Is this the part of the episode when we talk about our feelings on corporal punishment? Because <laughs> what the well, not, well, like, the thing is, if you want
1: to have this kind of storyline, it would make more sense for like, Maybe Joey had to go out of town for some reason and left Caitlyn by by herself and Andy or something. But he's
3: still there
1: on the couch right there. by Also, the his little- injury,
3: as I said in the recap, <laughs> oh, yeah, his does. injury looks awful. When he's on the ground and his head is bent and he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't move because you could have brain injury, spinal mm-hmm. injury. And then the next thing is just laying on the sofa. And sometimes he has something around his neck. Sometimes he has something around his middle. And I was like, y'all just were like he laid up, but And, he's like, right can here. clearly,
0: like, at least parent <laughs> yeah. from the couch. Like, he doesn't intervene at all.
2: Right. No. I mean, all it proves is that Angie doesn't listen to him either.
1: <laughs> no, but you know what? So he's, like, this is what I, like, wrote about in my notes. He's, like... Kids need a firm hand, or whatever. I'm sorry. Have you met? <laughs> Do you know that boy. In the the house? Could you give him a firm hand,
2: please, for all of us, Craig? <laughs> so the thing about Joey's injury, really fast, because I was thinking about this. Joey, Joey's about my age, like in his mid 30s. When he's upside down, as he was doing that, I thought, oh, he injures his shoulder. Like he injures himself just from being upside down. Because let's be real, that is how people in their late 30s injure themselves. It's not falling on your spine with your head twisted, it's just simply like stretching.
3: (laughs) What the fuck? I mean, like everything in that storyline, it's like an Isla Lucy response to the world where it's like, "Ah," right? Like with the oatmeal, it's like when I love, and I love to see when she makes the bread and it shoots out of the oven, right? It's like, (laughs) this is all over the top. It's like, Caitlin is from the 80s, like a movie from the 80s where it's like career women. Can they do it? I don't know. What won't she do? Right? And then like her phone.
2: Ugh. and I don't believe that they don't have ego waffles in the freezer. Like when Angie wanted pancakes, just grab a fucking ego. It's about the same thing.
1: But also I feel like like we we just swapped out Caitlin for Sydney. Like this, yeah, this is another working woman. Swap. And like it's a, it, it can't be that different for Angie. Like, I don't know, yeah, it is it is all of this is ridiculous. Uh, because it feels I think the thing like if they have been like Joey having a conversation with Angie about Caitlin or something like that like that I think would have been more reasonable but instead it's just like comedy of errors and then yelling and then you've learned to parent because now you can scare your child
2: right well no (laughs) no First, the child has to say, "I hate you," and that's sure. that's important. Oh my! We're God. checking
1: all the boxes here.
2: Caitlin well, being crushed by a five-year-old saying, "I hate you." <laughs> I mean, I don't.
3: I mean, I guess it's like a also just so different from like the journey of Snake and Emma, right? Which was like a multi-episode mm. thing, right? But obviously, they're connected. They're that's more complicated because she, he's her teacher. But that was also like this: like, how do we go from being like kooky adult who kind of is on my side to adult who has authority? But that happens over a long period of time, and the gender stuff is different. There's no right, like, because we're to understand also that Caitlin is like a national treasure, <laughs> and. Like her show true. is like, you know, she's like the Jane Pauly, right? But she can't I was like, thinking the Savannah food. Guthrie. Yeah, but she can't <laughs> handle like food for a child. And she's never, it's like she's never been in a family. She's never had to deal with any of these things. I mean, I do think the only thing that does make a little bit of sense is that when he was with Sydney, Caitlin's role was to be right. like the kooky aunt who wasn't the mm-hmm. mom replacement. And so she has become that person. And so I got it. It just was like, why does her job have to be... I mean, this show with Caitlin just really wants... Like, her job is always an impediment. Yeah. And she's always having... It's always her job versus something. Um, which is why she thought she when? couldn't get with Joey in the first place.
2: Well, that is his yeah. reality. I mean...
3: <laughs> as you do,
0: as you do.
2: Because he's the um, proto Mr. Nice Guy.
0: Uh, I just, I found this storyline yeah. very boring.
2: <laughs> yep. And, and the heavy handed imagery and symbolism with Caitlin with the towel tape on and she does the like power stance and was like, I can do it. I was like, fuck, this is so okay. <laughs>
1: well, like, I, like I said, I think like if there had been some sort of like actual resolution conversation or something like that, like it would have had more value. But really, it's just like Joey being like, "Congrats,"
2: <laughs> and, and that's it. Well, and he never makes Angie apologize. Like that's the worst part is there's no parents. There's he is mansplaining parenting to Caitlyn, but then we never see his parenting working. Like, we never see Angie come down and have to be held accountable. And instead, it's just Caitlin that has to be an asshole.
3: Or Caitlin see that she can be a taskmaster, but that ultimately she can still have a relationship with Angie, right? To extend what you're saying, Sonnet. Like, Mm -hmm. there could have been one more scene where Angie Mm -hmm. apologizes and then... Caitlyn makes her a fun, you know, it's like, now I'll make, now I know to make pancakes. Something like that. I mean, yep. if we're already in the sitcom world that right. they, so often Caitlin lives in, right? Going back to, like, that <laughs> episode where she's, like, stuck in the fucking window. Um, <laughs> then, like, you can it. definitely roll with it.
1: Because that could have been in, well, like, Angie apologizes and then they have a conversation, you know, like, Oh, our relationship's changing, and things are gonna be a little bit different. But we can still have fun, and all the like we can we
2: can write yeah. the script right now. <laughs> yeah, it would be so much better instead of Joey being like, oh, "I told you so." You've gotta be gotta be disciplinarian. Gotta lay down the law. It's like, well, you didn't do it. Like you tried. You didn't I mean, but he did. Get it. He- Obviously, your kid tried.
1: As I just said, why don't you lay down the line with your
0: damn stepson, who is wreaking well, havoc all over the time. I mean, Joey Toronto. does say, but at least now she respects <laughs> you. And I'm like, uh, but does she, like, like, like that's, and also that's just a weird place to go with it. Like, I don't know. Like, respect. You know what six-year-olds
2: love to go out? Respect.
3: 19 uh season three episode 19 is it's raining men um and this episode starts with us learning about the coming semi-formal um which we are to understand will set up the trajectory of the rest of the season because degrassi loves ending a season with a dance as it did last season um So Marco pulls up in a car with his dad to the school and is talking to some of the other grade tens and showing them the, all the sort of stuff that gotten printed for the semi-formal, aka the prom that he is on the committee for. And the theme is Bollywood nights, because as we've established in the Marco is gay episode, Marco is into Bollywood. Um, we could talk about that, um, But uh, in this scene, as he's showing off everything with his dad, who we meet for the first time here, it becomes clear that his dad thinks he's going to the prom with a girl. His dad doesn't know he's gay, so this is the first time we sort of establish that fact. And after his dad leaves, there's sort of a follow-up where the kids are kind of joshing with him. And at the same time, this whole conversation is happening Dylan, Paige's gay brother, one of, we now, there are now three gay people in the school, we'll meet over the course of this episode, uh, is like on the other side of the school, outside, and we see Marco looking at him and Spinner also sees it and Spinner sort of basically over the course of this episode is going to help Marco go on a date with Dylan. Um, So right after this conversation outside, Dylan meets up with Marco as they're walking into school. Dylan and him are sort of joking about it. Dylan starts talking about a zombie movie he wants to see. He's clearly sort of doing a soft ask out. Marco's like, I hate zombie movies. Uh, Ellie saw that movie and said it's a critique of capitalism. Um, And so Dylan's like, okay. Uh, And he just sort of doesn't really know what to do from there. Um later though at lunch, Spinner like asks Marco um, if he's into Dylan and he sort of come around clearly on Marco being gay and he wants to help him out. He sort of builds him up to go ask Dylan out. There's a classic Degrassi scene where they're standing on one side of a class set of doors, they see Dylan in his locker, then he's Spinner sort of pushes uh, Marco to go through, and just as they do, Tom, that's the guy's name? Yeah, Tom shows up, the other gay person mm-hmm. at the school, to give gay Dylan Tom. a mixed... Yes, Gay Tom, uh, to give uh, Dylan a mix CD, and Marco has sad eyes and sort of excuses himself. Um, and... Spinner, later in science class, tries to give him, like, to build him up. Marco sort of does negative self-talk, right? He's like, Dylan is an athlete, I'm girly, I'm dumb. And Spinner, in a, like, very sweet display of kindness, is like, don't talk, you know, don't talk about yourself that way, don't put yourself down. Um, then Spinner, in his Spinner way, tries to make it happen by going to Dylan and first telling him that Tom has scabies. And then by hugging uh, Dylan as Tom walks by, apparently deciding that the best offense is to make it look like him and Dylan are together. And then Dylan is not dumb. (laughs) It's just like, what's going on? And so then he's just like, then he's just like, Marco has a crush on you. He wants to go out with you. Dylan sort of says, like, I don't think he's ready to go on a a gay date. I wasn't ready for my first date. Spinner says he is ready. Um, And then there's a very, like, classic high school scene where Marco's walking down the hallway. Everyone's in a couple. He feels very alone. Then Dylan shows up and ultimately asks him out. They go to the aforementioned zombie movie. They go to the mall. They have food together. It's all very cute. Um... But then as they are leaving the movie, they run into Marco's parents, who uh, Dylan is presented as a friend. The four of them end up going out to a fancy Italian dinner at which Mark, or Marco's dad says some offensive things about the waiter, who we are to read as gay because he's effeminate. Um, so Marco is kind of convinced that he's blown this because... There's this dinner, which is awful at the beginning of the date. There's a bee that's in the car with them, and Marco is mm-hmm. deathly afraid of bees, so he freaks out. There's all these things, but the episode ends with him and Spinner walking to the dot. Spinner's like, maybe I don't think it's that bad. And then Dylan shows up. They have a conversation and the kiss. It's very sweet. Um, the bee plot is about is kind of a trifle. Um, and very much is set up for future things, I assume. And it is about JT. <laughs> and, well, it's about JT and his crush on Manny. And it's also about us establishing the status of Manny in the school, which is that people, start, she sort of feels ostracized. And JT doesn't quite understand. I mean, he does, but he's sort of, he understands it, but he thinks it's kind of dumb. And he still has this crush on her, um, which has kind of matured into a sort of two-sided flirtation. So JT is going to be in an ad for Superfly Fries. And a, li- a larger-than-life-size cutout related to the ad campaign is put up in the cafeteria. <laughs> and JT decides to have a viewing party for the first airing of his commercial. So... Toby allows him to have it at his house. It ends up being a large group of people. He really wants Manny to come. Manny comes. She feels uncomfortable. The ad is way over the top appropriation of what we might, in quotation marks, call hip-hop culture. Um, <laughs> and uh, We are being generous. Um, so everyone kind of makes fun of the ad. JT is self-aware enough to be like, I know it was dumb. And the next day, he doesn't really want to go into school because he feels like everyone's going to laugh at him. And he runs into Manny, who's like, yeah, the ad was dumb, but yay for being in an ad, basically. Also, like, I have to deal with these fucks. You have to deal with these fucks. Um, and they sort of have a sort of flirtatious going into school together solidarity. I assume that's what your your power fist means, just not that? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, altogether, I thought an enjoyable episode, and finally, some like happy gay storyline for Marco, even if there is like a he's not out to his parents component. He at least gets parents and it gets a life. And yeah. Spinner seems to have learned something about being a nice, good friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we deserve
2: exactly. this episode after being put through that like trio of fucking brutal-ass episodes. Finally, something happy. Um, before, we, before we dive in, I do want to just quickly touch on Ellie's critique of the zombie movie. This furthers my theory. That <laughs> is actually pulling a never-been-kissed Drew Barrymore, and she's undercover as a graduate student. Uh, she's undercover as a high school student, but she's really an English... PhD candidate doing... Oh, no.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. Not PhD. This is very much first year grad school, people trying to figure out how to have these conversations to sound smart, uh, but they don't know what they're talking about yet. Hopefully... I mean, I'm not saying that people never get to their PhD still doing this shit, but like hopefully... (laughs) No, 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 I know. But hopefully... They are not. Let Ellie
1: live. Ellie, but look, also, I mean, I'm kind Ellie of. Ellie was living her best pre Tumblr like, life, okay? She was just doing what you do. Yeah, no,
0: for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I saw Jaws on, in a, at a drive in over the summer, and I was like, this is the anti capitalist love story, gay love story that I've been looking for. It was like, it was perfect. And I was just like, and you then know. I
2: decided to go to high school. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do think
3: i mean however we feel about that line like that line these two episodes both i think maybe partly because the big plot points for a while have been dealt with so now they're like fallout right the last episode is fallout Mm -hmm. from the manny that whole triangle this is essentially fallout from the awful Marco coming out, getting beaten up episode mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. And so like the the writing is just so good and so thoughtful and so much of this dialogue because there's just so many, I mean, just the care with like the stuff where Marco multiple times is sort of like putting himself down for his like femme mm-hmm. per- pres- presentation and Spinner isn't having it and Dylan isn't having it. And,
2: and I, I think in the hat. Yeah. Thank but, fucking God. Thank yeah. But also
0: right? But also can I just say that Marco's eyebrows or uh, Adam Rigero's Ruggiero, eyebrows are made for sad eyes? <laughs> like they because they, like, are, like, they're not arched. They're, like, slanted slightly down. And then when he gets, like, he looks literally like a, like a puppy dog because his eyebrows are, like, also, up in the middle and down at the end. You
1: know, his, his hair is coming down to join his eyebrows for a party.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: I called it a wig last time, and you said Damn. it was his real hair. And I was like, no, it's No, a it's wig. his real
2: hair. It
0: is. Is it a way wig? Like a wig. It's know. a wig. I think it's. <laughs> no, it's. A- That's why he put his. Oh, it's
2: his so bad. nightclub it's hat the- on. <laughs> How about just I get think- a haircut?
0: But also, like, uh, also uh, for boy hair, like uh, Spinner and Dylan now have the same hair. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean Dylan these has a episodes. better version of it because ha- Spinner's always looks dirty.
2: <laughs> yeah. But he did. Spin did him take the notes that Marco gave him when he read him to filth and at least got a little bit of shaping cut. But no, he still needs to listen to the other note yeah. that Marco gave him, which is that he smells bad.
0: Yeah. And also less product. Like, it's a little... Very it crunchy. looks a little crunchy. Um, I mean, like, I'm very glad that Spinner is less of a, a total... Moron in these episodes, but like, um, and, and not moron, uh, just less of a jerk in these episodes. But why on God's green earth would you go to Spinner for advice if you right. are <laughs> like, you or accept this conversation,
3: right? At the very <laughs> oh, yeah. beginning of the episode in the cafeteria, Spinner walks up to him and says, You have a crush on Dylan. And yeah.
1: wow. yeah, was like, Wait, why yeah, are we but... talking about this? <laughs>
3: Right, Marco is also confused at first. But I would say that of the four guys, I mean, it would be Jimmy. It's not going to be Craig. I mean, he knows Craig has no emotional maturity. So I do think (laughs) in some ways, it makes sense that Spinner thinks of himself as knowing how to do this, even though he kind of goes about it wrong, but goes about it right. Um, It also makes sense... He also has, I mean, also Spinner has somewhat of a relationship with Dylan, right? You it got, does make mm-hmm. sense that he knows him.
2: Yeah, of yeah. all so of Dylan. Of, of all of them, Spinner sees Dylan outside of school probably multiple times yeah. a week. None of the other and guys. Marco,
1: Marco also explains that like Spinner is the one that's the closest to Dylan in style and approach even though obviously they're vastly different people, but that's why he goes to him for advice because he knows that he is also an athlete and also like a, you know, masculine-esque guy, I guess, as 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 in comparison to Marco, which I think is the point here.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever the opposite of a try-hard is, a try-not, a not try. Um, I love when Spinner, <laughs> when he does- Spinner and Spinner said, okay, I guess it's straight eye for the gay guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, yes. can we acknowledge the
1: fact that nobody acknowledges that Kendra is in the doorway this whole time, like observing all of this and nobody <laughs> says anything? Like, I'm like, is, is Marco after
2: Kendra? Does she know? Is that a... so what? We <laughs> need Kendra there just to remind us all that Spinner is, to paraphrase. Tiffany, a fucking moron.
3: <laughs> I do love that the after the end of that but- scene, that it's, I mean, there's never that, it's already understood that Marco isn't out to his parents, and like in some ways, it's a bummer that he isn't, but this isn't a classic episode where like, if they were adults, the the basic trauma would be that Dylan can't handle, that they're not out, and I imagine that that will come down the road. But then in this episode, it's already established. So instead, he picks him up at Spinner's house, and Spinner plays his dad, and he makes he calls him Mr. Mason, which is <laughs> delightful. And he picks him up in that convertible, oh, yes. which is suddenly like, even though before they were tootling around in a minivan with his with Dylan, suddenly he has a convertible, and he's like the best date. Dylan for. has multiple vehicles.
1: Okay, he he's living the best
0: life. Well, and also, I mean, before we talk about the four options that Marco like brings, which are sporty or cowboy or vintage or clubby. (laughs) I mean, like there's like, how are any of these options? I mean, I I love you, Marco, but like, why not just wear the best version of what you wear to to school? I
2: would wear any of those things on a date on a first date. and do you know what Spinner would say to you? He would say,
1: Enrique calling. He wants this shirt back.
2: I would be like, that's right, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that because man. That is, that is what Spinner
1: said.
3: <laughs> I mean, it is interesting that I think as much as I, so like there is this thing throughout here where Marco feels like he's too effeminate and both Spinner and Dylan are like, You're kind of putting yourself down before we do and we don't see it that way. But at the same time, there is a reality that Dylan is an athlete and Dylan is more mask in his self-presentation. I mean, he's very Mm -hmm. sort of all-American. 18, mm-hmm. I mean they're Canadian, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and like
2: all no, he's Canadian. All like Canadian contact sports
3: like hockey. Yeah, is and so I do. And I mean, he's more. It's funny that, like, in some ways, it's funny that they go to Spinner because Spinner is also like he wishes he was that like effortlessly cool, like just an effortlessly yeah. cool thing. I do think that there is something about their style that clearly Dylan doesn't like, but at the same time, Dylan is fine with the sort of. Classic thing where another per- like the, the sitcom. What what I thought was going to be the sitcom humor of like the gay guy with the bee, and he makes a big deal, and he has like internalized this idea that he's like an over the top gay guy. And Dylan like laughs, but doesn't really laugh at him. He just doesn't understand the situation. Was how I read that. And then he yeah. tells him the story later about the being afraid of killer whales, which is adorable.
1: Can we talk about gay Tom and yeah. his mix Okay, Tom. <laughs> okay, Tom. <laughs>
2: because
1: oh, definitely, Tom is, definitely. Tom is trying to I get. I used that particular move in high school. <laughs> so I related. Girl, <laughs>
2: Tom, Tom, Same. you're acting like he's Ashley.
0: <laughs> he is. He's trying. He's trying very hard. And
3: he's just there on the edges. Just.
2: Tom. just... Yes, Tom like it. He's, <laughs> Tom likes zombies. He just, <laughs> he's just there
1: hanging out, waiting for his moment, and then Marco, you know, slides
2: Swips in, in. <laughs> Also, the, the other thing about Marco, in addition to him talking about being um them, he also talks about being short and being young, which he's only two years younger than Dylan. But also, the short thing comes up multiple times. And I don't know. I don't think of of, of Adamo uh, Ruggiero as being short, but I guess he's short. I don't know. I mean, I mean Dylan I is tall. tall. <laughs> right. He's short yeah, compared to is. Dylan, who's well, a tall rugby yeah.
3: player. And I do think that there is. I mean, having been queer kid like a queer kid in high school like i did appreciate there is a way that like they are not 100 percent on board but there is a sort of like femme mask desire that at least for marco is what he wants and when there are those scenes when there's the two of them together you do see how much taller dylan is than him because when they do kiss it's like you guys are going to need to work on angling this out because you aren't really kissing each other's lips, but that's fine because it's adorable. It was um,
2: so cute. Yeah, uh,
0: we. Also- I wrote. I wrote in my notes. I was like, I wrote in my notes in all caps. A boy kiss. <laughs> ten exclamation points. It was, it was very was
2: sweet
1: sweetest one. kiss. We also need to it address was. this unfortunate dinner that occurred because Marco's dad held them hostage. <laughs> In a restaurant.
2: Marco's so dad, <laughs> throw it up.
1: A reoccurring restaurant that we'll see. I know.
3: There's only oh. one and there's only one fancy restaurant. Uh, want
2: restaurant they, in Toronto
1: and, I do. And, and basically his dad is like let me let me pair prefaces by saying I don't know this man in real life like how he behaves. But I feel like the directions he was given for this role were like, "Have you seen Super Mario Brothers?
2: Oh my god! Oh Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. You
1: know, chef. You know, Chef Boyardi? That's that's what I want
3: from you. That's what I
1: feel like the directions were. You're
3: (laughs) Italian, (laughs) Italian. Do you get it? You're Italian. Italian.
2: Maybe that's the Canadian, the Canadian (laughs) construction of Italian. Immigrants, uh, as compared to the American construction, which is like Jersey Shore. Both are very problematic. Yeah. Both are awful. But it's like, why? What's with like this Canadian, like hyper accented um, portrayal of Europeans? Like when Paige says her mom's accents, like, it's like, what are you guys doing?
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Jersey Shore versus, like, let's base this on the television show that is based on a bad, uh, the bad television show adaptation of a bad film adaptation of a, like a, a stereotype of a video in a video. Game. Right. Like it's just like there's like it's like is this the Bob Hoskins as Mario version? Or are we like the John Leguizamo as Luigi? Or is this more like the television like Saturday morning live right. action slash cartoon Super it, Mario Brothers? Like it's just like it's really bad. No. It's like a character
1: of a Italian stereotype, but in TV from like the early twentieth century, like it doesn't belong in like yeah. two thousand four. <laughs> it's it's a weird.
2: me on the radio. <laughs> right? Oh my god! And his mother, like they even have her—is she wearing a headscarf? Like they even like have her looking like very matronly. No. I'm like you know, like well, she she's Chinese not making women.
1: pasta sauce right, right now. Exactly. Okay. I was like,
2: do you know like any Italian women? Okay. All right. She
1: took a break from the sauce so they could go <laughs> hang out. And then she... Uh, they double dated unknowingly. No
2: they took them to Bukity Beppo and did a character study. They're like, this is... We want you to just... It's so I bad. had a
3: birthday at Don't recommend.
2: Oh, God. I used to get so sick from their... Giant uh, meatballs.
3: The thought of going to Bucca's right now because it's always so crowded is like our COVID nightmare. Oh yeah, I mean it's already a nightmare. Um,
1: there are
2: no windows. There's no windows. So, no. so here's
1: here's the thing. Like they're at this dinner, right? And so we have the waiter that Brendan mentioned, and when he you know goes away. Mr. Del Rossi leans heavily into his casual homophobia, and I'm like, "All right, whatever. We know that Del or, or Marco's dad is apparently homophobic, but like, this is a little extra to be doing at dinner with a stranger, like your friend, your son's friend that you don't know. <laughs> like, what is, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what homophobic parents do at dinners, but I, I feel like this
2: is a lot." Oh my god! And then it quickly switches to fat phobia. Like and it is just a fucking mess of a dinner.
3: Yeah, it's a weird? I mean, I guess the only thing that maybe you we just understand is like they've established that the dad likes Dylan because he's an athlete. So it's also really mm. a gender performance thing more than anything. So it's like just us guys, right? Because then Dylan doesn't say anything, and Marco. I mean, of course, I don't know. It would be awkward for a friend of like at that age to jump in and talk back to someone else's dad. But Marco does. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a,
2: yeah. I mean, in terms of first dates from hell, I would say I I wasn't out to my parents when I was in high school. Uh, My parents showing up at a date would be the fucking date from hell. But even now, as as an adult, my parents showing up to a first date would be the date for <laughs> <laughs> But if you I, run into your parents at the mall movie theater,
1: like, are you going to go on a double date with
2: them? Like, and you, you already ate
3: for dinner. Eat. And you exactly. do it again. There's that part where he's talking to his mom he's like, we already ate. And she's like, you know your dad. And I was like, but what does that mean? <laughs>
0: I love that Dylan's just sitting there with like with an iced tea (laughs) like and I
2: oh my god you know just
0: having a good conversation with people that I don't know sounds great
2: when 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 they run into Marco's parents though Dylan's face is so adorable like he's just full of glee seeing Marco's parents like you can tell that he is into Marco because you know like when you see where you're Per, your person is from, you're like, oh my God, hi. Like his teeth are completely showing, all of them. Giant smile. You
3: know where they should have gone? Superfly fries. That's my attempt to transition to Superfly oh,
0: fries. Yes. <laughs> okay.
2: So. Also, I think uh, the Taco uh, Bell, like the Canadian version of the Taco Bell Chihuahua, is that dog. <laughs> is that- well, but the dog didn't
0: talk. I do yeah, love the that
2: Canadians the way
3: we're like, I... mean, you know, JT has a lot of things, but I do think in this episode, right, like, he's so... There's a sweetness between him and Manny that's sort of being cultivated. But I love the very beginning when we first discover about the ad campaign when Toby's in his locker and he turns around and it's the bigger the life-size <laughs> cutout of... J.T. as the Superfly spokesperson, and he's behind mm-hmm. it and freaks his shit out. Uh, but we don't even know that at very that good. point what it's going to
0: be until we see the ad. <laughs> but I mean, like, would, what if what if in your cafeteria in high school there was just a giant cut, cardboard cutout of you, like?
1: What if you like, what if you walked into the grad lounge at Denny Hall and there was a giant <laughs> cardboard cutout of Brendan just by the? I do, I have, oh my god! Am I wearing a jersey
3: and gold chains though? Yeah, That's
1: yeah. By the b- right next to the bagel slicer. Yes. You
2: know what? buy yes. those fries, but only if there was a dog with Brendan.
3: They have seven different Ugh. spices, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, the like mean, some but,
2: possibly good fries.
0: The bomb fries. <laughs> well, I mean, but like clearly, this is like the commercial is definitely like old white executives trying to say, what do the children think is cool these days? They're into this. What do they call it? Piggy with it, hip fries. Is, hip. 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 Hippity hop. Hip. 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 Yes. <laughs> let is, let us do it. that. Oh, my.
1: but also you know what though speaking of that that does remind me like it feels like what I wrote in my notes is like it feels like this commercial was directed by whoever made the style of Ghost Rider the TV show by that that,
2: I just mean
3: it belongs in the 90s
2: it doesn't belong where it shows up yeah it's like in that
3: like weird like
2: it's incorporated
3: yeah there's like a, it's like a corporate like an empty space there's nothing around him and the dog they're way washed out yeah it looks like that it looks like it should be 90s TV or even like the 90s like ads like the PSA space mm-hmm. where it's just like yeah, washed yes. out except for the people but then there's all this like awful lingo. Quote unquote jive, quote unquote hippie hot dog. Oh my God. And what I do love is that JT knows it's bad. Yes. And that conversation he has with Manny, where they're both at their most self critical in some ways, right at the end of the episode, where she's like, is a bad ad. And he's like, oh, I know. And he's like, I still don't want to go in because they're going to make fun of me. And then she's like, well, I'm a school trail. Right. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of love that lane because I do love that the lane has switched from just like Manny's hot and now I think she's hot to, and even then there was an undercurrent of like, well, I've always known Manny and it's now settled more into a like mutual crush
2: mm-hmm. situation. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And what does Jimmy say after the the commercial airs? I mean, I love the sort of, like, crickets moment. Because, like, JT doesn't leave the television on. He, he turns it off. So it's just, like, dead silent. And, like, nobody at first wants to say anything.
2: Oh, it's so fucking awkward.
0: J- yeah. It's just crickets. <laughs>
1: also, by the way, speaking of this party... Now, I know Toby agreed to this, but did Toby's parents agree to this? Like, how can you just throw in somebody a watch party at your house and, like... Toby in the, and like, Ashley's parents,
2: the these parents let them do whatever the fuck they want, as is evident. Like, I'm California trying to
1: imagine... America. I'm trying to imagine my mom coming home and I've just got, like, 30 people in <laughs> the living room. To so watch a commercial. Just randomly. Yeah, it's bad. Bad,
0: bad, 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 bad. (sighs) I love that Manny... Oh, I was just going to say, I love that Manny is, like, on the couch, awkward between two randos that we have never, ever seen on the show before.
1: You know who those were? Those were, like, some of the same people that were at Jimmy's party that he had that one time. (laughs) And we were like, who are these people? Where did this cowboy <laughs> come from? Why are these people
0: here? Exactly. Same people. Favorite things? Oh, I are mean, there?
3: I, 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 oh, yeah.
2: I think Sorry. they are.
3: I mean, yeah. I had minor lines from the first episode. Um, one is when Craig is angry, angry at Ashley and Page says, "Well, what did you expect? For he's a jolly good fellow when he's talking about this." <laughs> and then the answer is, is the Liberty Line, where she goes out to them when they're waiting on Craig at the Battle of the Bands, and it's the eleventh hour, and she says, "I have you down as a rock quartet. Shall I downgrade you to a power trio?"
2: <laughs>
3: it's, it's just like classic liberty she takes it so seriously so good you know she made it up on the spot she's very proud of it but she's not going to say she's very proud of it and she's not appreciated for her hard work
0: um. no i appreciate you liberty yes
2: um uh, sorry, okay. oh sorry oh, go ahead. Right? oh, oh my go ahead. Mine is the prototype for Hotline Bling, which is when Jimmy says in the opening scene of the first episode, <laughs> blingity bling. <laughs> like, what the fuck? As you do. As you do. <laughs> Who are these writers? and Do they know you? Um, so that was my, that I think that one, and then also just the fedora moment was great, great comedy when Marco walks out with an ugly ass fedora on his head and Spinner watching behind the curtains as he drives away, was pretty cute. Actually, everything that Spinner did in that episode, even the scabies were my favorite things.
1: So I think my favorite thing from the first episode, besides like some of the lines we've already talked about is the, the way that Jimmy looked at Craig during the practice of the song, while, when they were hearing it the first time, <laughs> Jimmy was like, oh yes. no. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so that's that, and then in the second episode again, several lines, but also which we didn't really talk about, but the Bollywood Nights poster. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God! Which has yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god!
3: And he says, you know, people are really into Bollywood. It's that style of movie. It's Indian with the singing. And I was like, first of all, you already did this one. Second of all, okay.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I also forgot. Paige calls JT sweet potato, and I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah
0: my favorite thing that has not been mentioned yet i mean like the carly simon thing was very good but like the squad moment where like the four girls just like are walking down the hall like side Mm -hmm. by side and like it takes you a minute to figure out what exactly is on the shirt and then they get close enough and you're like oh my god it's so good just craig's face and then like behind it just flames and it is so good and also the fact that the name of their band is hell hath no fury and Mm -hmm. uh i just like i I love all of it it's so good
2: it's an upgrade from pms i think yeah for sure (laughs) and the outfits
3: are an upgrade too (laughs) i also there is that the one other line i had written down i know we need to get to predictions though is when Toby says just what the country needs, more JT <laughs> <laughs> Toby has such good deadpan when he's dealing yes. with J T. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I actually I have one more, which is when Spinner and Dylan hug and well, when Spinner accosts Dylan with a hug and Dylan responds, What is this? Hug the homo day?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: oh my god I I mean like like, Spinner and Tom Spinner's like back the fuck up bitch
0: I mean like the um, yeah yes that too but the writing was just like super funny and like the jokes were very good I mean like in these couple of episodes straight eye for the gay guy just like slayed me amazing Predictions, Brendan? Uh,
3: well, one is we've established there's a semi-formal coming. There was drama at the last semi-formal. That was the episode with all the stuff with uh, Craig's dad. Um, so there's going to be drama. Um... And then my others, lots of prediction and more just a request to the universe. And I wrote down, can we be done with Crashly, please? Oh, yes. Yeah, please. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, also, where is so- I, also want- I was glad Manny came back in the second episode because in the first one I was like, where is she?
0: Yeah. Um, mine is, uh, I'll take the low-hanging fruit and say that Manny and JT that there is going to be something bumpy that happens, like at some point, if that happens at all. Uh, but second, and tied to your prediction about the disaster that is going to be the final dance, is uh, more cultural appropriation for the final dance, and I am sure that <laughs> gonna, oh, I'm sure that that's not. I'm sure that that's not going to get like hyper problematic at all. <laughs> oh
1: God! What what Very could good. go wrong with Bollywood night? Tiffany,
2: I Go mean, you will know, meet. they have the so well.
0: <laughs> at least there will not be a black grass skirt. So, like that was, a the, one, grass that skirt. That was the one okay. redeeming
2: quality of that dance. Was-
1: but you <laughs> know what? I'll snake, snake will find a way. Okay. Oh, I'm sure he always does. He always does.
0: Uh, anyway. All right. But if any of that happens, uh maybe we will whatever it takes. We still need to figure out this you know, this this ending. I, I don't think we're going to figure this out. No, we're but I like, like I like we're saying like
2: 22 that we
1: twenty that... two episodes deep.
2: Y'all, no, this is how we end it. Just a freeze frame. Wait, 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 wait. No. No i stand by a fucking window. Somebody looks through it and for that sound. They can't see that on the podcast. It?
1: No,
0: but it would amuse <laughs> us every time.
2: <laughs> oh like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy us all window panes that we just hold up.
0: Like,
3: I, in I already have windows
2: in my house. But you have to go stand um, on the other side of it. Oh, uh, I
3: see. Yeah. <laughs> What's I'm the gonna, lyric like, about I guess I guess that's why they call it window pane. What is that lyric? I don't remember. Oh,
1: that's an Eminem and Rihanna. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I love the way yeah. you
2: lie.
3: Yeah, I guess that's I guess why they, that's call, why it they call it window pane.
2: <laughs> I, I don't remember
3: what that is. But... Seeing
2: Mr. Nice Guy again. <laughs> 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 All right, y'all. eye, the rock in my, eyes, my shoe. Yeah, you lie, lie, lie. <laughs> All right.
1: Bye. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at that Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at that Bleeding podcast. Listen to and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple podcasts amongst other places that grab podcasts out of the ether. Please rate and reveal us on Apple podcasts. It'll help other fellow Degrassi nerds find our shenanigans. Shout out to Chris Robley for the use of his song, Anonymous, off his fifth solo album, The Great Make-believer, as our new thing you Learn more about Chris and his music at chrisrobley.com, that's R-O-B-L-Y, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at chrisrobley. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Look for
2: another episode from us in a couple weeks.